Good evening, church. It is wonderful to see all of us here tonight as we go through the Bible together. What a wonderful privilege we have from God to gather in His name every week, every Thursday, every Sunday. It is a joy uh, for me that we have this opportunity to learn from God's Word. So thank you for those who have joined us for the first time in our midweek Bible study. We are in fast somewhere. In chapter 25. And today also is a very special day because the Lord made it so, and also because we whenever do our baptisms in the middle of the week or in our midweek service, today we have one or whoever would want to join the bandits, <laughs> they're also welcome, but we have one baptism at the end of our Bible study tonight, so it's quite a joy to see what the Lord is doing amongst us and among the young people in this congregation. Let us pray before we read God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Tonight, we thank you for the privilege we have as your children, as your people, gathering together in your name, reading the scripture publicly as you have commanded us. And so we ask that you would pour out your spirit upon us, the spirit of understanding that will receive that which you are bringing to us tonight, Lord, as we read these words that were breathed into your breath, Lord, we pray that you'd uh, give life to our dry bones, that you give life to our situations, and above all, help us that we'll live a life that glorifies you because we know who you are, God. We thank you tonight. We pray that you bless your word as we read it in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we find ourselves in the next chapter. The story continues for those who have been here, um, been learning about David and the King Saul and many other people who are involved in this narrative. We know from uh, our Bible study that this, the, the prophecies, and uh, the kings, these things, they hold a very dear part of the um, Old Testament believers or the Jewish people. Um, in many cases, we have seen that God used the prophets as a mouthpiece to his own people. Uh, he wants to convey a message he uses humans. And in the context of where we have been reading, we know how it came about, the birth of Samuel. It was a miracle birth, 
And the child, after the child was weaned, the Bible says, um, the mother, who is Anna, gave his own son um, to the priest, Eli. And at various times, the Lord spoke to uh, Samuel. He didn't know who God was. He didn't know. He'd read about it. He was taught, but he didn't know the voice of God. And the man, Eli, trained him to know. And when he was called, he said to him, next time you hear this voice, say, here I am, my Lord. Because that is not myself, that is God speaking. And we see how God has used this man for years to um, bring God's word to the children of Israel, warning them because they got used to seeing other kingdoms, you know, with the structure. They have kings, they have such and such a, a structure in their rulership. And the children of Israel said, we weren't the same. And God, through Samuel, warned them and said, if you choose to have a king, this is what is going to happen to your daughters, to your sons. You know, they're going to be slaves, and you people will pay dearly. You'll pay a lot of taxes. So if that is what you want to do, then I'll give it up to you. So it was, we have learned from the scripture that it was not the perfect will of God, but God allowed it to happen. And God used this man, Samuel, greatly. You remember when David was being chosen, God sent Samuel to the house of Jesse to do what? To go and anoint the king. When Samuel got to Jesus' house, you remember the story, right? The first man he saw was Eliab. He looked at him because he was a man of war and he was, you know, he was a bigger guy. The Bible says that Samuel looked at him and said, surely this is the anointed of God. Why? Because he thought if he's supposed to be a king, he's supposed to be a man of war. This is what the kings do. This is what their lives revolve around. But God said, no, that is, not, that is not it. Go to the next person. The next person. Is he the one? Is he the one? Is he the one? Until he was tired when all these sons were brought. He asked, do you have any other in your house? So, well, I have a little one. <laughs> I have a teenager, but this teenager is in the field looking after the sheep. And the Bible tells us that when he was brought, say, surely, the Lord, this is the Lord's anointed one. He was anointed king as a teenager. And you know, we will always encourage the younger people to not let anyone look down upon you. Why? Because God, in the history of the Bible, we see most of the time, God calls people when they're very young. Very young. 
We live in a culture where young people are disregarded. You don't have a say. You can't say anything because they think that you have no wisdom. If you study the book of Job, as Elihu said, I have seen and I have known that wisdom does not come from gray hair, but it comes from God. You might be 14 years old, 13, 16, 20 years old. If you ask God for wisdom, he will surely give it to you. He gives to anyone. He say he won't withhold. You will see a lot of wise young men, as opposed to seeing a lot of older gentlemen and women who think they are wise in their own way, but they just full of themselves. And this is not to say that every older man, every older woman has no wisdom. That is not what it says. But wisdom, everyone who asks of it will receive it. Amen? So the story that we have today, many of us have interacted with it. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, this is what the Bible says. Then Samuel died, and Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Think about David now for the trail the trail of thought and what has been happening to David. You remember one time when Saul was chasing after David, he went straight to where um, Samuel was. And when Saul gathered his troop to go and bring um, David, every troop he sent, the Bible said that when they got there, they all prophesied. The Spirit of God fell upon them, and they all prophesied. And when Saul was tired of all this nonsense, he would think that what is happening with these people? I sent them for a mission. They are not coming back. Instead, they are prophesying. Saul himself went, and the Bible says, before he reached where Samuel was, he prophesied. And people were wondering, is Saul amongst the prophets? But God used the moment not to um, use it for evil because they meant it for evil. They wanted to kill David. They wanted to maybe even do some damages to the prophet of God. But God did not allow it to go. Next time when David flee, he went to the priest, the priest that was killed. We read it last week. And now they just met with Saul. He was about to kill Saul. He just cut the hem of his garment and he showed him, told him, if I was planning for evil, I could have killed you, but I did not because you're the anointed one of God. And Saul said whatever he wanted to say and they disappeared. And the next scene that we encounter right here is one of the people that David would confide on is now dead. What are you going to do? The person you worked for, your former boss, wants your life. He wants to kill you. The person who ordained you king, anointed you, is dead. 
What are you going to do? Things are just narrowing down for David. Things are not well. But remember previously, the, the, the previous chapter we read, Saul said, I know that God has appointed you to be king. But we know he just says that to please everyone. He's going to pursue David again. He's not a very honest man at this point. But the man, Samuel, died, and the children of Israel mourned him greatly. Now there was a man in Mount whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Pause for a moment and think about it. You know, this, this seems like a very African dude. <laughs> you know, has a lot of pleasure in animals, <laughs> right? I mean, where, where do you keep 3,000 of these animals? And another 1,000 of these? And these are just the few that are mentioned. These, in other words, the Bible is letting us know that this guy was rich. He was a rich man. And he was a businessman. 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was sharing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doing. He was of the house of Caleb. I think we have a whole song talking about Abigail, right? You guys know the song. <laughs> it's a very lengthy song. And his husband, Nabal, who was not very wise. The Bible gives us a story of someone who just died, was very important, and he jumps to the story of this man and his wife, and you remember we talked about it last week, that when Moses sent the 12 spies, only two came back with good report, and that was Joshua and who? Joshua and Caleb. Caleb was a very respectable man. Caleb was a man who was ready to die for uh, his own people. He was a man of faith, I would say. But now the descendants of these great men, they have turned to be very worthless, as we have seen a few of them. They don't think straight. They don't reason well. Because the Lord blessed them abundantly, they have turned their blessings. Instead of serving God with these blessings, everything is for themselves and to satisfy their own personal gains. And this man... Um, Nabal was from the house of Caleb. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, 
David sent 10 young men, and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, peace be to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shears. Your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day, and please give whatever comes to your hand, to your servants, and to your son, David. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David, and waited. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each one for his, from his own master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men when I do not know where they are from? So David's young men returned their heels and went back and came and told him all these words. Think about this man. You know, he's... We, we, we call him foolish because we know the end of the story. <laughs> and perhaps if we didn't know this story, we could have done the same thing, right? Imagine some people come to your home. You don't know, well, that's not right. This man knew about David. They come from the same nation, the, the nation of Israel, but there is, there's a reason why he's speaking this way. He's not in his right mind right now. He's a rich man, and right now, I'm going to talk at TMT. He's from Tamasha. He's done something to himself. He's not alone. He's with some, he has a committee in his head. And David politely is giving a testimonial because if he wanted to capture his young men and his animals in the, in the plains, in the deserts down there, he could have done that easily and say, hey, you guys, we, we, we want some meat. We're going to take this and there's nothing you can do about it. Everyone knows what David is able to do. He killed lions and bears he killed the giant. He's killed many people, and the Lord has always been with David. How do you stand against such a man? And this man is not coming to you with any sort of arrogance. He's being very polite. 
He's being humble. He's requesting. He's asking for food. And you know what this man says? Like, who is David? (laughs) Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? I mean, everyone nowadays, they want to appoint themselves. People give themselves titles. They'll come from their masters and build their own kingdom for their own selfish gains. Who is this man that I'm supposed to pay attention to? Who are you? Have you guys heard these words? You know, you walk into the office and you're trying to get help and they ask like, who are you? (laughs) Or you meet some prominent people, you talk to them and for a moment they're like, do you know who I am? (laughs) You you know who I am? I mean, who doesn't know our president right now? Who doesn't know our president? Think about it. The president shows up and you're asking him, who are you? <laughs> or he sends messengers to you like, who, who are you? And who is the son of is his father's name Samuel? You guys don't know. <laughs> All right, I think his father's name is Samuel. Ruto Arab Samuel, right? <laughs> Who are you, the son of Samuel? Think about it, just hold it right there. And then these messengers. They go back to him and say, the gentleman you did send us to asked us this question. That, Who are you, son of Samuel? <laughs> you guys know what will happen to you? You don't know. You do not disregard authority. But this man didn't care. Who is the son of Jesse? Who is David, by the way? And these guys, they didn't make any trouble. They went back to David because David is their captain. And they told of everything that had happened. I wonder what would have happened if it were me. Because I would be full of the flesh. My response would have not been very good. It would have not been very gentle. Think, what did did you say about me? Do, Do you know what I can do to you? Like right now. Let's see what David did. It says here in verse 13, Then David said to his men, Every man guard on his sword. So every man guarded on his sword. And David also guarded on his sword. And about 400 men. Wait. 
went with him, and 200 stayed with the supply. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us, both by night and by day, and the time we were with them keeping sheep. Now therefore, know and consider what you will do. For harsh is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five sheets of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on a donkey. Think about the contrast. Think about the contrast of the response of Nabal when he heard this report and his wife was not with him. And now one of the young men who was with David's men in the field is saying, hey, consider the situation. Consider what we have at hand right now. Because if you don't, Everything in your household and everyone, we are done. Because these people know what David can do. But our master has spoken foolishly. She's spoken foolishly. He did not consider for one moment the people who are kind to us. Therefore, Consider that. And then Abigail, because think about it, this, this is a very rich man. In her mind, he thought, what was the need? The need was food, right? Do we have food in the house? Do we have it? We have a lot. The Bible counts it like 200 pieces of this. This amount of sheep, this amount of meat, this amount of bread, this amount of this. She loaded them on the donkey to take to David. Would you have done such thing? Say, well, my husband has already decided we are not giving food, so who am I? <laughs> we could have given it out. But what would you 
have done. Abigail made haste before the king David would appear. She knows that this man has already been anointed king. They know the story that Saul is chasing this man up and down. He's not able to capture or kill him. Why? Because God's anointed one, you're not going to kill him. He has to be king anyways because God said it so. You can't stop it. Verses 19, and she said to her servants, go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of, a, of the hill. And there were David and his men coming down towards her. And she met them. Now David had said, surely in vain I have protected all this fellow. Has in, has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. And he has repaid me evil for good. David intentionally protected this man's property in the wilderness, and he's not asking for his possession. They're just hungry. They're on the go. The king is after them. People are after them. They just want food. And this guy is repaying evil for good. May God do so, and more also to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. In other words, David also here, in a sense, God into the flesh. So, man, how, can, how could you disregard what ha just happened? I have protected you without notice. You did ask for it, but I did it anyways. And David swore to himself. He didn't actually ask God what to do. You remember the previous victories we read last week? He had asked God, say, hey, God, can I go and Pursue these people. And God said, go down because I have given them to you. And they had victory. Now he's not saying, hey, God, can I go kill the household of this man? He did not ask God, right? He just thought, because this man disregarded me, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to chase them down. I'm going to kill every one of them. There's nothing they can do. Now, when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord, on me let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scandalous number. 
Wow. It is amazing what this name means. Do you know what Nabal means? It means fool. It means a fool. And I also want to caution us, church, as you still have breath in this world, and maybe you're not married or you're married and you're still, you know, praying that God will give you children. When you're giving names to children, don't just give names because you saw them on TV. Don't just give names because this is your favorite actor on Delamere Day, whatever, these things that people watch. Don't just give names that has nothing to it. Give names to children that have meaning to them. Attach meaning to the names that you give. You see the way this man is acting? He's actually acting his name. He's being a jerk. He's being a fool. That is what is happening here. And apparently, the wife also knows that he's acted like a fool. Imagine, this is your behavior, and that is how your very own flesh and blood has said you are to the next person. Wachana na muze, ni mchinga. Wachana na hii mama, afikiri. I mean, how would you feel if that is how you are presented? Think about it. <laughs> is there any meaning to your name? Are you, nowadays you hear... Children's name, and you wonder where that came from. What's your name? Shanika. What is the meaning of Shanika? I don't know. <laughs> Attach a meaning, something that is meaningful. Or give children names that when they grow up, they'll be also proud of these names. You don't give children names that when they grow up, they begin to be ashamed of how people are calling them. Oh, this name is unisex. Get out of those things. If it's a man, give them a, man, a man's name, right? Give a girl a girl's name. Give a man a man's name. Period. It's that simple. Don't let Google help you name your children. Because Google, the, nowadays you do online applications and you have male, female, and others, or you can customize You can customize. And down there, they have a whole list of you. What do you want to call yourself? Them? <laughs> I go by the name them. You should acknowledge who I am. Silly people in the world, they don't reason. Like this man, Nabal. And I would ask those who are married, do you know your, your spouse? <laughs> what kind of testimony can you give to your Baba Watoto or your Mama Watoto? 
Because many of us, you know, Africans, we, we barely have sweet names for our wives. Say, Indio Mama Watoto. Indio Baba. This is, you know, we, we, we walk. We don't even walk together. The husband is at the door there, the wife is here with children. You don't even know if they are married. Are you ashamed of your wife? Are you ashamed of your husband? When people see you walking close and say, Do you know who created man and woman? It is God. And do you know what David said the first time he saw a woman? He said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called Eve, meaning the mother of all the living. Do you think David says, mama? <laughs> no. Show some affection to your people. Help one another. Do you know your spouse? Can you give an account of who they are? If they did act foolishly, would you just say they did or you'd try to cover something that you know you shouldn't have covered? Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel, Nabal. His name means a fool. And you know, Abigail, what it means? It means a father's joy or joy. Abi means joy. Probably she will bring joy to David's life. We don't know, but we'll see here. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from evening, from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek harm from my Lord be as Nabal. And now this, now this present, your maidservant has brought to you, my Lord. Let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your handmaid, for the Lord will suddenly make for my Lord an enduring house. Because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Think about the testimony of Abigail to David. In a way, he's trying to align David's thought to come back to reason. And if we would name this um, chapter today, we would say, it's learning to restrain. Learning to restrain when what is happening? When the flesh is coming out and you're about to behave foolishly, 
The Lord will use people to speak wisdom to you. Whoever told you that women will not speak wisdom, this is a very wise woman. And actually, the Bible said that she was a noble woman and she was beautiful. She was good looking. When the Bible says someone is beautiful, trust God. <laughs> trust the Bible. And now, this beautiful woman, the Bible says, she is speaking very sensible things to David. Say, no, you, 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 you haven't done evil, and all you're thinking is how you're going to kill people. Try to think about it. <laughs> you're thinking on how you're going to avenge your enemy because he's done you wrong. But what she's saying is like, you can do evil. trying to put some sense in David's mind. And she said, please forgive the trespass of your maidservant. I mean, did she sin against David? She did not. But she's apologizing to David to make it up for his own husband who spoke foolishly. And he said, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord. <laughs> he says, you don't fight. This is not the battle of the Lord anyways. Coming and killing Nabal, this is not what the Bible wants you to do. Or this is not what God wants you to do. This is not the battle that God arrayed for you. Don't fight these petty battles. Don't put out every smoke that you see everywhere. Some of these smokes, you just look at them and let them burn. Don't chase after every fire that you see. And that is a principle for us to learn from and see. Because we'll hear things and immediately our, re our first reaction is always to go and revenge. I will give them a piece of my mind. They will know who I am. They will know what I'm capable of doing. They don't know me. They don't know what I can do. And we will say, if we'll be honest with ourselves, we'll say that we have said these things many times. What are you meaning, Nani? They will know. They will know who I am. We have said these words many times without thinking. And you so say, this battle, you, you, you fight the battle of the Lord. You fight for nations, not this one. Forget about it. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. Hallelujah. And the lives of your enemies shall sing out, shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. 
they will go out, they will just disappear. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord. Either that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember you made servant. I love this lady. Of the testimony of the Lord that she's giving to this man, David. She's remembering the good things that the Lord will even do, not just the things God has done, not what the things God is doing, He's giving a testimony of what God will do when David is on the throne. Tell so you, chill out. God has called you to greater things. These are the things you're fighting for. These things are petty. God has bigger plans for your life. And do you know sometimes we don't believe it? God will use men and women to speak to your life. You're like, ah, this is just... The so-and-so's daughter, so-and-so's son, they don't know what they're talking about. But let me tell you, God can use your little child to speak to you. Would you have the wisdom and the humility to receive God's word to whoever God sends it to? Would you have it? Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. <laughs> Blessed is this God. I thank God because I met you. I thank God because you came. Because if you did come, I could have acted foolishly. I could have done some things that weren't godly. Thank God you came. I don't know if you have encountered such situations and people have spoken to you or they have visited your house or you visited them, whatever circumstance it was, and you say, thank God you came. Thank God we have met today. Thank God you have spoken these words to me. I needed them. If I would be honest to you, that has happened to me many times. If these men and women would have not spoken wisdom to me, I could have acted foolishly. And that is our first reaction. If the Lord does not abide in us and his word does not abide, trust me, we will act foolishly every time. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter you've been born again or saved for how many years. It can be 50 years you can still act foolishly. It can be one year, two months, it doesn't matter. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you to meet me. And blessed is your advice. <laughs> he took in the advice of a big ale. And this is counter-cultural. For the Jewish men, 
To sit and take a simple advice from a woman, this was not the thing for them. It takes humility for a Hebrew man to sit down and listen to their women. <laughs> and especially the one that is not your wife. It takes a lot of wisdom and humility. And he said, thank God for the advice. Thank God you came this way. Blessed is your advice and blessed are you. Because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. David realized that this vengeance was not of the Lord. It was my own. I was going to kill people. I was going to shed blood. But this was not going to bring glory to God. Think about it. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning light no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. Now Abigail went to Nabal, and there he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. You see the reason why Nabal responded that way to David's men? Because he was what? He was very drunk. He was a drunk man. Let nobody cheat you or lie to you. You know, people say, Niki, kunywa kidogo, sinanga maneno. Sita sumbua mutu. It's a lie from the pits of hell. It's a lie. Let no one bring that to you. The Bible says wine is a mocker. It will mock you. You think that you're, you're having a good time. You're enjoying time with your friends. My friends, be not be drunk with wine or alcohol, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Wine is a mocker. It will mock you. You think you have it and you don't. He was merry within him, for he was very drunk. Therefore, she told him nothing, little or much, until the morning light. You know, this was a very wise woman. She thought to herself, if I speak anything right now, this man will not get anything. In fact, you will be maybe hungry, there, was, there will be no sensible thing coming out of his mind. So let me just leave him alone until the morning light when he's sober. So it was in the morning when the wine had gone. And let, let no one teach you, cheat you or lie to you that 
you know, you drink and you forget all your problems. This one, the wine that you're drinking, it doesn't stay permanently in your system. It goes away. When it goes away, you have memory of the thing you're struggling with. You have memories of all your problems. And then you go. You know, I used to be a drunk. This is what we did. You get drunk today. And in the morning, you say, well, watch an end and toy lock, dog. You go and tow a log, and you come back home, you're drunk again. So you, the, the cycle of your life is you're drunk, and then you're drunk again. You're drunk, and you're drunk the, the more. You're drunk, and you're drunk. It is just a cycle, vicious cycle that never ends. I'll just, a little bit. I'll, this, is, this is my last. I won't touch it. Even if I hear the smell of it, I'll run away from my life. You cannot do that without the Lord. <laughs> if the Lord does not help you, trust me, with your own strength, you're not able to do that. I tried that with my own strength. It was not possible. In fact, we, in my early years when I was a, a young believer, I would sneak back still. So worship the Lord, sing songs, sing songs, and go back and... <laughs> Thinking that I was... You know, I was deceiving who? Actually, just deceiving myself. So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Naba. And his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became like a stone. <laughs> His heart died within him. Wow. Like, what, what did I say? What did I do? He didn't have any response to all of these things. All the Bible says, his heart was dried up. Nothing to think about, nothing left to say because you know the man you have messed up with. Wrong move. He was speechless. He became like a stone. The stone doesn't move. A stone doesn't do nothing. Just there, a rock. Then it happened after about 10 days, that the Lord stuck Nabal and he died. Now think about it. At the end of the day, this man died, but it is not David who killed him. In other words, I'm saying to us, church, vengeance belongs to the Lord. You have no part in it. You have to trust that God has your best interest in every situation that he brings your way. You didn't choose to be born in this country. And you're born in this country. You're born a Luo. You're born a Luo, a Luya, a Kalenjin, 
Whatever you're born into, God ordained it before time. There's nothing you can do about it. What your part is, is to trust God that because you have breath in you today, that God still has purpose with your life. I don't know what yours is, I know mine. I don't know what you're here to do. The reason why you exist in this planet today, I don't know. But surely, there's a reason why you're here. Have you asked God of what it is? Do you know what it is? After 10 days, God did the job for David. He didn't have to kill him himself. After 10 days, I think he, he, he got a stroke or something. <laughs> it's like he, he's not moving. Nothing is happening. He's probably not eating. The Lord just took him because he messed with the wrong guy. And the fact that he messed with the wrong guy, this does not give us a leeway or to start praying for our enemies to die. You know how we pray? That God, destroy all my enemies. They should not see the daylight by tomorrow. I mean, who gives you the audacity to do that? The servants of God, the men and women that we read from the Bible, they don't do that. Where do you think you get the license? It's like the so-and-so, they're after me. God, struck them dead, kill them. No, vengeance belongs to the Lord because his justice is right even when he's killing people. God's justice is right. Our justice system is messed up because we can bribe the judges and we can get away with things and our justice system is clouded with a lot of emotions. We don't think straight like David just told us. We don't think straight. He died after 10 days. So when David heard that Naba was dead, he said, blessed be the Lord. <laughs> well, at least I didn't kill him. The Lord himself did it. This, is not, this blood is not counted on me. Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as wife. Now think about David also. <laughs> so before David met Abigail, do you know what the Bible says? That she was a beautiful woman, right? Man has a thing with eyes. Even when we don't tell you we got a problem with eyes, <laughs> we don't say it, but it is a problem. If you can't tame your eyes, 
You know what Job said? That I have made a covenant with my eyes. <laughs> That's a real man being honest and say, where the problem is, is the, thing I see, the things that I see. And especially people. And not just people, women. Lord, help my heart. And a bunch of men who are in here, if you be honest with yourself, you will pray this prayer. That God help my heart because my eyes can lead me wrong. If you'd be honest with yourself, you know it. This woman was very beautiful. And now David is sending men to do what? To go and propose. Say, ha, this is the deal. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if she's done mourning, okay? His husband just died. <laughs> not many days ago. It's not even a month. David, chill out. Relax, my guy. David sends a proposal saying, if I leave this one, this man will not let her be. She is a very beautiful woman. And apart from the physical beauty and attraction, she is a prudent woman. In other words, she is beautiful from inside out. Everything a noble man would want, right? <laughs> Everything a reasonable man would be looking for. Because these things are appealing to men. Someone who is beautiful in the inside and in the outside. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. It is straight on the point, right? David has said he wants you to become his wife. Think about it. You have seen the king. <laughs> you have seen David. And David also, he is a handsome man. Then she arose and bowed her face to the earth and said, Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash feet of the servant of my Lord. In other words, she's saying, I think I'm not worthy to be married to my Lord David. All I can do is to wash the feet of his servant. If I would do that, I'll be content. You know what that tells you? That she is a woman who has humility. Humility. Something that has been thrown off the windows in these days. I don't know what to think about our response in this season. For the ladies, think about it if it were you. Like, first of all, let me mourn first. And then second of all, if I want to go to appear before the king, do we have a spa right here? 
do you have all these things? No, tell the king I'm thinking about it, you know. Give me time. And all this process. And of course, I would say to the ladies, the men would come to approach you, the younger ladies in our church. Don't just say yes because they showed up and they're from church. We have a lot of crooks in the church. Don't just believe everyone because they say, I'm born again, spirit-filled and utterly loosed and heavenly bound. Don't just hear things people say. You have to taste and know for sure. You know how to taste? The Bible says you should know them by the fruit. Are they really walking with the Lord? Or are they just full of themselves? She says she's not worthy. So Abigail rose in haste and rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidens. Skiding everything. I'm, I'm going with my own people. And she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. <laughs> David also took Ahioam of Jezreel. And so both of them were his wife. But Saul had given Michal, his daughter's his daughter, David's wife, the, you remember her? The one who was given to David and she uh, helped David flee from uh, his father Saul when he was supposed to come and capture David when he was asleep. She was given to Palti, the son of Laish, who was from Galim. Church, I want just to remind us of a few things here. You know, learn to restrain yourself. When any situation arises, what are you going to do? Are you going to blow up and think foolishly like Nabal did? Or are you going to behave wisely as Abigail did in this context? And David, as a man, he acknowledged his fault. He said, if Abigail would have not come, he could have acted foolishly too. So don't just give David credit because he didn't kill this man. We'll credit him to the humility that he was able to receive counsel from Abigail. This is a great deal. You know, learning to restrain yourself when you're about to do things. And God will work on your behalf if you trust him. God will go ahead of you if you trust in him. And what happens when you restrain yourself? You become more aware and you make more thoughtful decisions when you draw back from these sorts of anger issues. You learn that vengeance does not belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. 
It all belongs to the Lord. You don't go and avenge your enemies. The Lord knows about it. The Lord will take care of it. The bigger question is, do you trust that the Lord will take care of it? Sometimes the Lord will send us and just say, go, hey, go. You don't know where you're going, but the Lord say, go this direction. And he say, don't take an extra coat because I will teach you how to trust on me on the way. I will teach you. So I hope and I pray that all of us will learn to trust in God along the way. Along the things that are coming, you know, the enemy is pursuing you and the things are not working well. Your best friend, the man you would confide on, is just died and you just don't know what to do. The man you're asking for supplies is talking bad about you. It is a messed up situation. But at the end of the day, if you don't trust God, you will act upon your understanding. The Proverbs says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord. In all, not just one, in all of your ways, trust that the Lord is working. Amen?